0: When I started South City Cider Works seven years ago, I wasn't thinking about where my life would be down the road and that I might not want to be in California for the rest of my life. Yet, almost a decade later, a little girl later, a global pandemic later, and a company merger later, we have in fact packed up our life and are moving back home to the East Coast. It was one of the hardest decisions I've ever had to make, and I'd like to share why I did it and what it means for our amazing cider. Let's go! Welcome to Courage and Other Sea words I'm your host, Jen Root Martell, and thanks so much for joining me today. Here we are, still in Colorado, but have made it a little further on our trek back east, now settling down temporarily right outside Denver. We have friends who were able to find a small plot of land that allowed them to have a residence and also start a small commercial vegetable farm. They were the ones who were around when we were getting the cidery up and running years ago, helping to hang FRP or pour cider at festivals on the weekends. Now we're able to spend some time spreading compost and mulch and helping them around the farm, returning a little of that manual labor that they gave to us so many years ago. And in one short year, they've really built up this one-plus-acre patch of land into a working farm. It has been so exciting to see them start this from really nothing and grow products that they're proud of and that they sell. I do remember that feeling starting out, and it's just pretty special. So we've been here for a couple of weeks, and we'll set off again soon on our way to the East Coast. And now that I've mentioned this move on a couple of recent podcast episodes, I feel the need to explain myself and explain what we're doing. Because, no, I did not think of this scenario when we incorporated the cider in 2013. But here we are. And a lot has changed in our personal lives and with the business since then. Going back to 2013, when we moved to California from the D.C. area, it was definitely not the plan to set down roots and start a business that would keep us there for almost a decade. We thought this would be a great time in our lives to try out a new geographical location. I mean, I didn't know much about California and had only really visited a few times in small sports. Alex had lived in the Bay Area in the past for a couple of years and did have fond memories. So when his job gave us the chance to move, yeah, we jumped at it and didn't look back. We thought it would be only for a couple of years, and then, you know, we'd figure out what to do and where to go next. Fast forward a couple of years later, uh, which, of course, I cover in the first couple of episodes of this podcast. We've done what we did not expect to do. We incorporated a business with the state of California. We had a physical space for the cidery, and we were cranking out hard apple cider. It was just the three of us then. And for those early years, it felt like we really let the cider dictate every minute of our lives, apart from the other jobs that Alex and I had. And everyone warned me, you don't own the business. The business owns you. And when you're just starting out, that's okay, I think. You need to put in all that legwork in the beginning if at no other time to make sure that you're building the solid foundation you need for further growth. And for us and in this industry, it's really grow or die. As much as I know, a lot of people hate that saying. (laughs) And if you're keeping your sales the same, depending on the same customers, you are setting yourself up to fail. Hard stop because costs will inevitably go up. People will inevitably close up shop. Some of that will be sped up because of an unpredictable international pandemic, but there are variables that you have to plan for, even if you don't have a global cataclysmic event. So we pushed on from 2015 to 2017. We brought on the sales manager in 2017 to really help us in San Francisco and East Bay, freeing up the ability to make more cider. And sales slowly grew. We partnered with a wholesale distributor in 2019. That was awesome to help boost sales yet again in the East and South Bay. All the while, we were seeing slow growth. It was organic and manageable, but it was fucking slow. And looking at the world at the end of 2019 and at the size of our company, I for sure thought that we were gonna be larger and farther along if someone had asked me five years before. I will not deny that. And yes, alcohol sales is fucking hard. Cider sales is even harder, and the market is even smaller. But now at least we were more of a signal than if we had been rolling out the next IPA. But it was difficult due to all the education that is necessary to make a sale. You have heard me bitch about this before, so I will not keep harping on it. I'm sure there will be plenty of time in the future for me to revisit this lovely, lovely subject. You get the point. I really thought we were going to be farther along, pretty much at every step of the company. While this was all happening, we had been working tangentially with 47 Hills Brewing Company for a few years at that point. This was kind of late 2019. And John had built out his brewery a mere three minutes north of us in South Linden in South City. And was growing his business slowly in the market, but focusing mainly on the tap room. He was making it a destination with food and beer worth coming back for. He also happened to have a really good dry cider on tap as well, if I don't say so myself. So we did a lot of events together. He used our canning line a few times when he wanted to roll out cans in the market. We passed cleaning chemicals, crown caps, CO2 canisters, case trays, really anything when one of us ran out of it, we would run over to the other and grab what we needed. And I really leaned on John sometimes when things were particularly frustrating or stressful. And with his two plus decades worth of experience in the industry, he has a special knack for breaking down things and situations and looking at them, I guess, more analytically and objectively than I was. It's sometimes really hard not to be an emotional mess when you're a business owner. So when he brought up the idea of combining forces in a more formal way by bringing both the beer and the cider together, I, yeah, I don't think I even let him finish his question. It was such a good idea on my end as well and seemed almost like a duh moment that it had been sitting and staring at us for so long now as an option to move forward. But we did just really have to get there on our own, it seems. So we were looking at the trajectories of our two companies one with a distro market that didn't have a front-facing brick-and-mortar, and and one with a tap room, and seeing both of those models going at it alone. And it's really limiting. However, if we built out the tap system at the brewery, which at that point literally just meant putting hoses on 10 more taps that were already there, and boosting production of packaged beer to be sold in the market through the cider channels that we had already been hand-holding for years— there was a very good chance that we could build something that was larger, more profitable, and more visible than the sum of the two parts. That was sort of already brewing. Uh But COVID also helped move this thinking along because as soon as we locked down in March 2020, that concept of pooling our resources together could really help us bounce back quicker from disastrous market fluctuations like a pandemic it it just sort of all seemed to make a lot of sense. And then I got pregnant. It was something that Alex and I had been pushing off for years because of how much energy the cidery was consuming and just how much of my time I dedicated to it. It just never seemed like the right time and I don't think it ever really feels like the right time. But until 2020, it really, really didn't feel like the right time. And I was running around doing sales slinging kegs making cider drinking a lot for work of course and the little one just never seemed like it would fit into that lifestyle though I know a lot of other women in the industry have kids and are making it work like champions it just never seemed like a really good idea for me it was always yes next year yes next year But by the fall of 2020, I was realizing that it was time and I needed to pull my head out of my ass and realize that I wasn't 25 anymore, surprisingly enough. And this was something that I did really want. And motherhood was something I didn't want to miss out on. And I know for Alex, bless him, that realization happened probably five to 10 years prior. But he's a really good sport and didn't push until I was able to wrap my head around it. And that fall... Yeah, things really did seem to fall into place. I was able to get pregnant. We hired an awesome salesperson to help take on some of that really important market support that I was doing. We had a driver. Tim and Alicia were killing it in the cidery with production. And John and I had just sealed the deal, in a matter of speaking, of bringing this merger of companies to fruition. I was really looking forward to bringing a little one to this world and having a cider legacy for her to enjoy. Things were moving along so that when I needed to go on maternity leave, the transition of taking me out of the picture would be relatively seamless. And I'd say, honestly, it was relatively seamless. As you've probably heard my not-so-long maternity leave episode. We got our Type 2 wine license for the brewery, I had Madeline, we physically moved the cidery to the brewery, and kept cranking production during a pandemic all during the summer of 2021. It was absolutely chaos, but also amazing to see a plan of a year plus come into being, while also having this little adorable bite join our family and learning how to live all together, one small apartment, and do everything that was necessary to keep her happy and fed and healthy. Not in that order, of course. It was a whirlwind. And much like when we first started the company and people said it would own you, we started to hear a similar phrase, that kids change everything. And I'm pretty sure you can understand how this might be the case. You can envision the sleepless nights, the stress of breastfeeding, if that's the route you take, the balance of having a baby with you while you're also trying to take care of basic things like laundry and grocery shopping, seeing friends trying to run a product-driven business with employees and customers. It's definitely possible to sit in your armchair and visualize it. And then when you find yourself in that very situation with a screaming child on your hip, both parents and most family more than 3,000 miles away, and responsibilities that don't alter just because you have a screaming child, yes, everything changes. Your priorities literally change overnight. And it definitely did for us. It was difficult for me to breastfeed and look after her while at the cidery, trying to get work done and make sure the team had what they needed. Luckily, babies sleep as much as they do, and she was lulled into naps by the constant drone of the boiler. But the balance is definitely tricky. When she was four months, my parents visited again for a couple of weeks to see her and support us as we continued to figure out how we were making it all work. And it was pretty heart-wrenching saying goodbye to them after their stay knowing that they were so far away and I wasn't hundred percent sure when I was going to see them next. And when Christmas came around and she turned six months old, we finally made it back to the East coast for a few weeks to see the family. Of course it was also during an Omicron wave. So we stayed pretty much locked up in the two houses in Virginia and Massachusetts respectively. But because of COVID it had been two years since we had seen anyone in either space And though it didn't really feel like that long while it was happening, it definitely did once we visited. And now that we had the little one, it became increasingly obvious that our families would not be present in her life if we stayed in California. His parents are unable to travel, and with the cost of everything going up, it would be more and more difficult for mine to make the trip, not even thinking about all the other family and friends that we have back east. So that visit really brought our reality into sharp, sharp perspective. Add on to that, as we closed out 2021, our 18-month lease was fast approaching its end. We totally thought we had at least until May, but turned out when Alex looked at the paperwork, our lease in Pacifico was up April 4th, 2022. Well, damn it. It was time to make a huge decision. Do we re-up and pay more for where we are? Do we start looking for places that might be marginally less expensive than where we're currently living? Or do we call it, have a drop dead date and do what we have basically refused to do for almost a decade and move back home? And in our hearts, the pull of being close to the family was beginning to be greater than either of us could ignore anymore. And that's all well and good. but. I just spent the first part of the episode talking about how awesome it was that we had just partnered up and merged with 47 Hills, that the cider company that we had been building still existed in California, and it wasn't something that we could just, you know, pack up and move with us as hilarious as that would be driving across the country. No, 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 no way. It was a hard conversation that we had to also have with John before we could officially commit to telling our parents that we were coming home. Oh man, and to his credit, he took this news like a champ and did spend some time weighing the pros and cons of continuing with the cidery or not. But it just seemed fair to have him weigh in on this, considering it would be his burden to bear. Because really, honestly, the other option was literally to to shut down. Since we could not move it, there was no way I could keep it going by myself. We did finally agree to keep things moving forward and. I will never be able to thank him enough for taking us on and making this happen. Though he would continue as the point on the ground, I also have to say there is absolutely no way I would let things fail, even if I wasn't immediately there to support the day to day. I have worked too fucking hard to give up now, and I am convinced that even across the country, I can still be an integral part of the team and help steer the growth that I signed up to bring to the table with this partnership. And though I have to fight for my family and get her close to the people who need to be in her life, I am going to fight for this company until I cannot fight anymore. It's how I'm wired. If I've signed up for something, I have to do what I have to do to make it work. This time, I just happen to sign up for two things and have to make sure that I can do them both somehow. So that's where I am right now. Mentally and emotionally, that's what's been going on for the last few months. As you can see, it really is something that has been slowly building for some time. There has been the pull of being closer to home basically as soon as we sat down in San Francisco in 2013. There has been stress, some burnout with the business, and there has been COVID. And if it wasn't for COVID, I think this whole situation would have happened very differently. For one, I think would have taken us even longer to merge companies since that general pressure and panic of the market and the necessity to combine forces for sheer survival might not have been so strong. Both companies were looking at having really banner years in 2020, and though we had been talking about merging before the pandemic seriously hit the bay, it definitely made the environment more critical for this partnership. And something else that came out of COVID was Alex's newfound ability to work wherever the hell he wanted to. Because with his company shutting down all of the offices and sending people to their homes to work, I mean, his daily and weekly routine changed completely. And after a few conversations with his boss, who's actually in Arizona, and his team that's like literally all over the country, I think there's even someone in England It has become very clear that this was a model that was going to remain, and he didn't have that same kind of commuter commitment that he had before lockdown. So Virginia, Massachusetts, Denver, Colorado, Innsbruck, Missouri, Portland, Maine, it's all the same to him. That was really the icing on the cake, honestly, for this whole move decision, because if he couldn't have brought his work with him, there would have been no move. And I'd also have to say that maternity leave helped as well, for me at least, unintentionally. Because when I got pregnant in 2020, I knew at that moment that I would be out for a month or several when she was born. And I spent as much time as I humanly could rearranging my responsibilities, outlining tasks in this massive Excel spreadsheet, everyone's name on it making sure everyone felt comfortable with their roles and basically ensuring that the ship would keep floating while I was away. And not only floating, sailing happily. I also knew that once she got here, there would be less time for me to be out in the market running around or at the canning line doing packaging. So having the team in place before I left for maternity leave, I mean, that laid the foundation for this move as this team is so on top of it and is so strong. They really don't need me walking around on a day-to-day basis, making sure they're doing what they're supposed to. And I could not be more grateful for that. But as it took a lot of time and organization and communication between all of them, uh, it definitely was a lot of work to get to that point. And then when the merger happened, they thankfully all came along and continued doing the awesome job that they were already doing. It has definitely been more than a year of learning to let go only spurred on by the fact that I was going to be a mother soon. And though you want to be able to do it all, I did understand that with a little win, I would basically be doing everything half-assed if I couldn't relinquish some of the control that I had had for so long. Because that's not fair to anyone, including myself. So when we officially decided that we needed to move back east, that foundation was luckily already in place, really, and just needed me to let go of a few more tasks that I had just sort of always done because it was easier and more efficient for me to do them. But they were super small tasks, like the monthly paper-fill keg reports that have to be sent to Keg Logistics and getting the used dunnage shipped back to the supplier once we didn't need it anymore. And dunnage is all of those like layers and pallets and pallet toppers that come with the printing cans that stack up quickly over time if you're canning every week like we are. At some point I was even getting the toner, the ink for the garage printer. I was paying bills and cashing checks and making sure the garage bathroom had enough paper towels. And these are all tasks that are done better by someone who is actually there on the ground. But they're also super easy that I just literally needed to write an SOP for and make sure it was on someone's radar. So not terrible. So where are things now? How is this going to work? Have I created a new model for remote cider making? Well, the short answer that I kept trying to drive home to everyone before I left was, I'm moving. I am not leaving. I will continue to support John and the team as much as I can, no matter where I am. And though I can't wrap kegs for distributor pickup or get the pasture bath going during canning, I still feel like I can help a lot. It might be nice, in fact, Having someone not completely in the weeds who can step outside and look at the larger picture, who can help with new hire searches or wholesale distributor recruitment or making sure bills get paid so that production can keep moving forward. I can help challenge the team to organize the use of the tanks better or give them space to taste test new seasonal flavors. And yes, I will still be on the weekly production call until I'm told that I don't need to be there anymore and I will keep checking in with everyone as much as they need me to. I might not be there, but I'm still here. And it might not be such a bad idea after all, taking out the person who's been doing everything one way for so long. Time to let the next generation take on the task to keep that alcohol flowing. I'm sure they will come up with new efficiencies, better strategies to keep production going that I just couldn't see. And I look forward to seeing how that all plays out. I'm really, really excited about what's to come for this company and for the cider and the beer that we make. So we're on track to have a really great year now that things are opening up and the world is working on what normal looks like again. With some great weather for the taproom and some more partnerships out in the market, I have no doubt that both the beer and the cider brands are going to be amazing. So no, I'm not bringing the cidery with me. I'm not closing it down. I'm not moving away to be a silent partner. Ha, (laughs) me being a silent partner, it's hilarious. And no, I don't have a plan to get wrapped up in another entrepreneurial project once we get to Maine, at least not in the next 12 months. Don't tell Alex. I do look forward though to spending time with my little one and focusing on her growth, especially at these early years. And I'm excited about making time to take better care of myself, And I can't wait for when we finally have a house that we can move into and call our own with a yard and an ice machine and a dishwasher that doesn't totally suck. And I've also been asked about this podcast. And the truth is, though I might get some imposter syndrome talking about the cidery world while I'm no longer filling kegs, I've only been at this for about a year and a half. And I've been at the cider business for more than seven And I feel like I have so much more to share, I have perspective to add, and damn, I have so many amazing women that I still need to interview. So as long as you're up for coming with me, I'm going to keep writing and sharing and podcasting. I feel like this is an amazing community, and I really want to continue highlighting the women who work inside, outside, and all around it. So that's where I am, where I've been and how the decisions like this are made. This move is both thrilling and heartbreaking, and I believe having both of those emotions just shows how important both my family and the cidery is in my life. Both shape me, and I'm committed to supporting both as much as I can. So here's to a great year coming up. I know it will look much different than all the others, but the only constant, in fact, is change, and we will all learn and grow from it. And I can't wait to see what that means. And that's a wrap. Sometimes you have to make hard choices, like between family and your business. You hope that you can juggle both, but it doesn't always work out that way. If you had to make a decision or another type of life-altering one, regrets? Where did that decision take you? I'd love to hear all about it. Email me at info at In the meantime, please subscribe, rate, and review to help out this little podcast five stars goes a long, long way, and I so appreciate your support. I know it says write a review, and that can be super daunting, but Apple isn't looking for a novel. A simple, hey, what's up? How's Kansas? That would be more than fine. And for more information about me and this podcast, visit us online at othercwords.com. Talk to you soon, and thanks for joining me today.